It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Tyler West and Chris along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Chris is first time in the studio this week uh, to bring us back a scouting report from your time passing by Knoxville yesterday. Yeah, they uh, they wouldn't let me in. Wouldn't let me in, but um, I tried to get in the facility. I said, no, sir, you cannot. But I did. I did do some scouting on Tennessee, seriously. To go back and do some more watching of the games, but we've we've been diving into some statistics, been diving into a little bit of what's going on in Knoxville. I actually have a little bit of a situation to monitor. I want to get y'all's thoughts on it. So Joe Milton got a little banged up in the last game. Right. Josh Heupel was asked about it. Um, listened to his presser on the way back from Tennessee yesterday, and he gave in my opinion, an elusive answer if he kind of paid attention to it, the way he looked, what he said. I don't know if you guys already covered this one of the previous two days, but that there's I don't think Joe Milton's going to be 100% in this game, if I had to say, right here on Wednesday, right. which is interesting. And Josh Heupel kind of gave the whole, um, we all, we check out all our players, he's with us, he practiced, you know, he, he gave all those kind of lines, those platitudes. So, a situation to monitor. Yeah, and uh, Wes and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. There was a photo that had emerged of him mm-hmm. going to a local uh, medical facility there in Knoxville, like, I think on Sunday after that game against UTSA to get checked out for whatever reason. He kind of, he skirted around that a little bit saying, oh, we, again, get all our players checked yeah. out and medical professionals and all that kind of stuff. So, definitely some questions this week. I know a lot of volunteer fans have started clamoring. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. For Nico, their backup quarterback, five-star. Nico I. Uh, Nico I to uh, get some more expanded playing time. And who knows, maybe this could be the weekend. It, it could be. And, you know, I, I think even if Milton is fine, you know, even if he goes, it, it could be a factor because, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler and I were talking about this. He really has not been the runner that Hendon Hooker was. Now, he did start off the UTSA game with um, basically an 80-plus yard keeper um, where he, I mean, dude was flying. And so he, he showed that's, that it's in there, that he has it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like that's not been a huge part of his game. And certainly, I mean, the fact that he has not thrown touchdowns while on the move, while on the run, is... Um, you know, kind of crazy to me. So I, I think point being, if he's dealing with kind of being banged up, then that could further limit his ability to hurt you with his feet for a guy who, you know, kind of already doesn't have that necessarily as his top, um, you know, kind of as his forte. So I, I think certainly something to monitor. Gamecock fans, of course, will bust out the, we're going to make a backup quarterback look like a Heisman winner, fake um, trope here, I, I guess, but you know, I, I think for them, 
for Tennessee fans, I think they're probably like, all right, man, let's let let's see what Nico can do. But for Milton, you know, I, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Well, we heard so much in the offseason about Milton's arm strength. He can throw the ball 90 yards. And, again, that's great. But when you're not accurate down the field getting it to receivers, it's not worth much. And we know Josh Heupel's offense is predicated on, when it's successful, is predicated on those deep throws that Hinton Hoedeker was able to make. I actually talked with um, Vince Ferrara, who works for the Sports Animal there in Knoxville, which is their flagship station. He brought up a stat that we've heard that, you know, Hinton Hook or uh, Joe Milton, 7 for 27 for those throws 20 yards down the field this season. He's having to keep a lot of things in that mid-range, a third of his passes go behind the line of scrimmage, like not playing to the standard that I know Josh Heupel would like him to play where we could see this offense be as, as explosive as it was a season ago. You know, Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I mean, the the deep balls, too, from Milton, he he does have an incredible arm, obviously, but you, you still have to connect on the passes. And so we've seen in his career and including this season, you know, he hasn't always connected on those. And, and they still have some very talented receivers. If you look at, I mean, Brew McCoy, former five-star, like they've got talented receiver, but they also lost some guys. I mean, they, they lost Jalen Hyatt. They lost, um, his Cedric, name's escaping Cedric me. Cedric right? Tillman. Yep, yeah, Cedric Tillman, who was an absolute dog. I mean, did not get enough credit for how good he was at Tennessee. They lost some guys. I think, and I, I don't want to take it off quarterback. We, we can, I know Wes, you had another point on this, but to me, the the running game is a bigger concern this week. I know we said that last week, like how much of a, of a concern is the run game with Mississippi State? It ended up being totally different. This one could flip too, but... They're legitimately, I mean, they're three deep at the running back position. Jabari Small, who played against the Gamecocks last year. They also have Jalen Wright, who's their leading rusher in terms of carries and yards this year. And then Dylan Sampson, who's a talented young player. Those guys are averaging 6.9, 6.1, and 7.4 yards a carry. And Dylan Sampson has five touchdowns this year. You know, I, I think with this Tennessee team, we naturally think explosive offense and you've heard all offseason about Joe Milton. But really, I think, first of all, at least statistically, they've played great defense. And then, to Chris's point, they've run the football. Like, this is not kind of – like, instantly, if I think of explosive offenses, I think of, you know, you're throwing the ball all over the yard. This is a little bit different. Even, like we talked about earlier this week, even that Florida game when they're down and – Last year's Tennessee offense, you're probably thinking, well, even if you're down a couple scores, you know, it can be a minute and a half later and, and you're right back in it, you know, taking the lead. Well, they were like almost strangely patient with saying, let's keep getting the ball to the running backs, keep mm-hmm. getting the ball to the running backs. And clearly that that's where they felt like they had their best chance to, to make some plays. So I, I thought that was telling. Also, P- PFF actually likes Milton's year pretty well so far they grade him out fairly well even in the run game making decisions there they grade him out pretty well but he just does not have like obviously has that long 81 yarder that I think kind of skews everything and I'm not going to pull the well you know if he didn't have that 81 yarder uh, you know (laughs) it it counts but I don't really think with this small of a sample size that it tells a story I mean that that was considered at least by their metrics a designed run 32 scramble yards this year, according to PFF. So this is not a guy that, like, is getting out of the pocket when plays break down and, and making a bunch of plays that way. Um, he does have 134 
um, designed uh, play rushing yards, which obviously 81 of that was on one play. So I, I think for for South Carolina, it, it's really you, you, he's kind of that guy. You you can't just ignore him because he will obviously hit one on you. But for the most part, this is a little bit more traditional running game in terms of getting the ball to the running backs. It's just packaged up with what I call like the super spread in that your cornerbacks are having to play sideline to sideline because of how widely spread out the receivers are in their base formations on offense. The thing that I'm fascinated to see this week, how does Clayton White in South Carolina play this defense? You know, so you go back to the 2021 game. uh, Shane Beamer mentioned during his press conference yesterday, that's the game they got smoked in the first half, his terminology, and, and they did. That was, remember after that game, guys, hey, you know Tennessee is A, running the football, B, they're just throwing the ball out very quickly, and as you said, Wes, that super spread, they're just going to get your, the receivers are going to get super wide. Sometimes they're going to bunch guys out there. They're going to put two receivers out there, and they're just going to throw a quick pass out there, and you can get 8 to 14 yards, you know, just about every time. South Carolina was playing off a lot, and that was a conversation afterwards. Last year, we saw the complete opposite. They played man coverage the whole game. They dared Tennessee and Hendon Hooker and those really good receivers to beat them over the top. And with Cam Smith and Darius Rush, Marcellus Dow, I mean, they did a really good job overall with that. So this year coming in, you know, your personnel is different at DB. You're kind of worried about your depth. You just saw, you just played a game in which Mississippi State did successfully throw the ball over your head many times, and Will Rogers had a great game. So did the receivers, especially LaDietrich Griffin, Tulu Griffin. But that, to me, is kind of one of the fascinating storylines is how do you decide to play this thing? How do you decide to attack it? I think they're probably going to start with just what you said, Wes, running the football, knowing that Tennessee is going to prioritize it, especially if you keep in mind that Milton may be a little banged up in this game. It's also worth noting that this, um, they've been able to run the ball pretty well despite having some issues on their offensive line because who doesn't have offensive line issues at this point? They're starting center. Everybody. Right. Cooper Mays has uh, yet to take the field this season, had some hernia surgery back in August. Now he's a potential game-time decision for Saturday. But uh, despite that, again, they've been able to play pretty well uh, without him in the running game and then protecting um, Joe Milton as well. So if they get him back for Saturday, that's just another element of strength that they would add to their offensive line. Yeah, and I think, for one, there's a little bit of what I would call like a bounce-back week in store for South Carolina. Like, generally, when when you have good players, and I, I think all the guys in South Carolina, especially their safeties, Nickel, you know, DQ Smith, Nicky Mawari, Jalen Kilgore, those are all good players. Generally, if a couple of guys that are good players have like an off game, you get a little bit of a bounce-back where it's like you get hyper-focused. Uh, you know, you're going to be lined up. Your eyes are going to be a little bit, you know, better in the right spot, I I think, going into a game like this. So I expect all those guys to bounce back. However, from a personnel and scheme standpoint, I do think South Carolina is dealing with missing uh, depth at cornerback, and it is affecting them because last year, as the year progressed, especially once they got healthy, they had the option of playing a true corner at nickel, and they played Cam Smith at Nickelback to lock down opposing teams' slot wide receivers. When you face teams that have really good, quick slot receivers, 
it's, it is an advantage to have a corner you can throw there. A- at some point, do we see South Carolina put the trust in Judge Collier and say, we're going to play him as one of our top corners. Marcellus Dow has played some nickel in his career. Um, do you kind of add that at some point into the repertoire as this season progresses? I think that's something you would hope to look at if you're South Carolina. Yeah, they have um, – you you go back and think about a lot of the big plays that they have given up. You go look, and, and there's been a lot of man coverage, and, and there has been the, – the lion's share of the issues have been at the nickel position. And so um, they've tried some different things there from mm-hmm. a personnel standpoint. But it's a great point, Wes, and that the, the guys they're playing there are more of nickels or safeties. It's not – you know, your true corner. Marcellus Dow ended up playing more snaps last year in total than Cam Smith or Darius Rush. Like mm-hmm. kind of like just under undervalued thing, underreported thing. Um, and they were able to move guys around so much. So whoever it is, um, you, you have to figure that out. We'll hear a little bit of what Coach Beamer had to say in preparation for Saturday's game against Tennessee coming up. You're listening to the Game Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. They've had one good game. Um, We're not ready to, like, hand them the – Joe Moore Award for the greatest offensive line in college football. Um, did Have they made some strides and have they improved? Absolutely. And is there a lot more that they can do better? Absolutely. And they'll be the first to tell you that as well, whether it be technique things that weren't clean the other night. I just talked about a goal line play where we didn't even block the linebacker. Um, there's a lot that we need to – get better at we gave up a sack the night because we you know didn't pick up a blitz the right way uh but have they made progress yes am i proud of them heck yeah uh do i think we've even come close to scratching the surface of how efficient they can be up there no and uh and they've got a big challenge this week as well like i talk about with tennessee and how disruptive they are along the defensive line welcome back in gamecock central takeover hour presented by firehouse subs here on the game tyler west and chris that of course was Coach Beamer yesterday in his weekly press conference we had for you here on the game, sponsored by Pete Alewine Pools and Spas, as we do every Tuesday during the season. Talking about the offensive line, who did play much better on Saturday night and certainly helped out with uh, getting a run game going with Mario Anderson going for 88 yards and one touchdown. But as he mentioned, this Tennessee front is certainly one that's going to present some problems. 16 sacks on the season so far, though only one of those did come against Florida a couple weeks ago, but still, at the end of the day, sacks are sacks, and uh, the offensive line is definitely going to have its hands full on Saturday night. Shout out, first of all, to Shane Beamer for the Joe Moore <laughs> Award pool there. I got to say, I don't know if that was on my radar that the Joe Moore Award goes to the top offensive he, line. He also definitely knows the name of the Holder Award because oh, well, he's yeah. so upset about Yeah, that that one I feel like is a give me. The Joe, the Joe, by the way, I looked it up. <laughs> The Joe Moore Award might be one of the best actual trophies in football. Like, it has a full 
old school oh, yes. offensive line yeah. cut out. Probably one of the most expensive trophies, I feel like. Yeah, uh, that's also a trophy that you really probably aren't going to get unless you're in the college football playoff, historically yes. speaking. Like, that goes to the Michigans, the Notre Dames, uh, Alabamas. Like, those are those are schools that typically win that award. These are some old school dudes, man. Uh, y'all go check that out, joemoreaward.com. Uh, let's double their, their hits on the website today. But, I mean... To his point, I think work in progress is the phrase I keep using. Like, that's what Dow Loggins used a, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago. I think there are signs of progress. I also didn't leave the stadium on Saturday thinking, man, that's like a high-octane running game. You know, like, there there was a lot to be desired. I Actually, I, I don't know the statistical breakdown, y'all, but I thought they ran the ball better in the first half than the second. It felt like... Mississippi State did a much better job of kind of containing South Carolina in the second half. And still the the longest run by a running back was nine yards. So, you know, it, it is progress. And certainly in pass protection, I think we've seen a lot of progress. Uh, I think it's a little different battle this week against Tennessee than it was last week against Mississippi State. Not Not that State is the same as playing like an FCS school, I, I think that was a good sort of, um, you know, step up from like a Furman, but it'll be another step up from, you know, going from, from that to Tennessee. I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like, excuse me, when you look, west at those longer explosive runs, I mean, yes, a, a big part of it is having backs that can hit the home run. Oftentimes you are going to see breaking a tackle, making a guy miss, but you also have to block those up pretty well initially, you know, mm-hmm. to give it a chance. And it for me, it was kind of a mixed bag. You know, kind of kind of like the run defense has been a little bit of a mixed bag this season until the Mississippi State game. I think we can look at that and say the run defense was pretty good in that game. Like, there, there's not really much you can say. Pass defense, that's another story. But it's been, I think, even in that Mississippi State game where it's the best we've seen, it was still you know, inconsistent. A lot of it was Mario Anderson making things happen. There were times, and Shane Beamer pointed this out after the game, he felt like Mario Anderson still left some yards on the table. You know, missing a gap, missing a cutback. There was a time where I think he got tripped up one time on one of his own offensive linemen. Seen that a couple times this year. But I do think they did a better job of blocking things up initially. More hats on hats, a little bit more of a push, Shane Beamer also mentioned how high he was on Mississippi State's linebacker crew. He had some pretty effusive praise for those guys. Um, they're two linebackers. They played a lot of football, and they, they did look like, to me, from what I saw I test, they did look like good players. So a step in the right direction, still a lot of work to do, I think. And, and I, I look at it in the totality of the whole picture, right? If you're the offensive line, you got to do a better job playing assignment ball. Um, you've got to continue to gel. you got to – get more of a push, but also the running backs for Joyner, for Mario Anderson, anybody else who ends up carrying the football this year, you know, you need a little bit more or you need a good bit more out of those guys too. Again, mixed bag because some of the plays, they're making something out of nothing. Some of the plays, the offensive line is blocking it up pretty well and the backs aren't getting quite what they maybe should get out of the plays. Yeah, and I I think the next step, I mean – I'm not even talking about home run balls. I'm I need I need to see some of those 13 yard yeah. just uh offense starts getting the momentum. That 
that to me, like, there are a few things more backbreaking, I feel like, for a defense than a team just pounding off, hey, we got 11 yards on the ground here. We got 15 here. We got 13 here. And you're just like, man, they are they are moving the chains without even having to put the ball in the air. And, you know, I, I think I think it's a step up for South Carolina when you go from, from like, negative yard plays, which they, they've had a lot of the first few weeks of the season, to not having any negative plays as far as running the football. But then the next step is can you start to, like, get to that second level, start to get to that third level. And, you know, I, I think there were several plays they probably went back and looked at the film and said we were one additional block away or we were one missed tackle created away from this becoming a 15-yarder instead of a 7-yarder. And I, I think for South Carolina, that is the next step. Mario Anderson gives you something added in, in kind of that physicality department, I think. But – as much as he has played running back, this I imagine he is still kind of getting a little bit settled into playing at this level. So is there more upside to go there for him as well? Uh, I think that's something to monitor moving forward. So y'all double-check me on this stat, but South Carolina's running backs this year, they have one run over 10 yards. Uh, let's see. I believe that is... The carry-on joiner had a 16-yarder. I think that was against Furman. That's uh, the only 10-plus yard run of the entire season through four games. For running backs, yes. For running backs. Correct. Spencer Rattler has more. He has several. He has several. Yeah. But I, I Dual-threat quarterback, you don't really, Spencer Rattler. You don't really count that, I feel like, sure. nah. when you're trying to talk about the running game. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. something you manufacture. Yeah, you, you count that in the confines of, hey, it happened, but as far as... The discussion we're having right now, did you block up a run call? Um, you, you don't really count that. And so that's that's essentially like one explosive run that's not Yeah, that that that's that is not near good enough. Right. right. And uh, and I think when you when you start talking about things like that, it's it's almost it, it not even almost. It makes what Spencer Rattler has done even more impressive to me. Right. Because and Wes says this all the time. He tells me all the time. You know, if you can imagine this offense, a if they could, if it could be healthy, goodness, if it could be fully healthy. But number two, if you could have, you know, a semblance of a run game. Now, we saw again, yes, yeah, step in the right direction against Mississippi State, but still, your quarterback had what two explosive runs. You, you didn't have any other than that. And there's sometimes where you just need to be able to line up on first down or really any down. But on first down, you need to go have a run and you move the chains again because you got 13 yards, 17 yards, and they just haven't had that this year. Coach Beamer had a really good answer yesterday when talking about Mario Anderson and to carry on joiner. We'll let you listen to that. Coming up, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. Back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. I want to remind you once again, the Lawyer Leash's Special Teams Touchdown Contest rolls over to another week. South Carolina has not scored a Special Teams Touchdown yet this season, so that means $500 up for grabs this weekend as they take on the Volunteers up in Nashville. Go on over to 1075thegame.com and register for your chance to win because if they do score that Special Teams Touchdown, 
Uh, Bill and Preston will announce a winner live on the air come Monday morning on the early game. Don't miss your chance to do that each and every week with the Laura Lisa Special Teams Touchdown Contest. I mentioned Coach Beamer spoke at length about Mario Anderson to carry on Joyner yesterday in regards to their roles at running back this past weekend. It's about two minutes long. Here is what Coach Beamer had to say. Yeah, I think he continues to get better and, and progress. There's no question about it. Uh, he did a really nice job in uh, blitz pickup the other night. Really all of our running backs did, him and DK. I mean, you look at the first touchdown that we threw to Leggett, they brought pressure in the line, and I think it was to carry on, got a little bit of leakage, and he sat in there and firmed up the pocket for us to throw the ball. And, and, um, and then uh, Mario did a nice job of that as well. So the blitz pickup, it's not as simple as just sit back there, and if somebody comes, you take them. I mean, your eyes can be here or there. You may be responsible for four guys on a play. So learning that, the pass catching out of the backfield, he's just continued to, to work. Frankly, a lot of the game, a couple of the games where we got behind North Carolina mainly, it turned into a passing, passing game and not really his – I shouldn't say not his thing, but from a pass protection standpoint, we had some other guys in there in that instance. And then the other thing, too, is let's make sure that we're not like uh, – um, Make sure we realize that Carry On Joiner has done some really good things as well. The Carry On Joiner had a touchdown run the other night where we completely whiffed and didn't even block the linebacker on the goal line, and he had to lower his shoulder and run through arguably one of, if not the best linebacker in the SEC, unblocked. And the Carry On got under his pads and drove that guy into the end zone for a touchdown because for some reason we decided not to block the front side linebacker. And on the backside, we let a backside penetration come through um, and where we should have been hitting the backfield. And to carry on, took a play that was broken because we didn't execute properly and turned it into a touchdown. So to carry on has done some really good things as well and will continue to the rest of the year as he gets more and more comfortable at running back. And then uh, Mario obviously gives us a, an added element with his physical style of running and what he did Saturday night also. I've never heard a coach use the word leakage when talking about issues in protection. That's that's a first. I've heard it, but it, it does kind of catch you off guard a little <laughs> bit when you just hear that word. It's not really one you're you're expecting. But you know, here here's the thing. Two things can be true at once. Um I know that's kind of a, a wild thought, but it, it is true. <laughs> Two things that uh, sometimes three or four things can be true at once. And in this case, Mario Anderson, I believe that the words that Beamer used were added element. He does bring an added element to that position of physicality and just, you know, I hear coaches, another kind of coach speak word I've heard a lot more lately is um, contact balance. And so he's got a lot of contact balance at the position. However, I, I do think from what I just heard, Shane Beamer has maybe heard some of your to carry on joiner takes out there where people are just ready to kind of give up on him at running back. Not everybody, but some people have expressed that. And, you know, I, I think his point is, uh, look, like we're not going to give up on this idea of him playing running back. And we got to give him room to operate. Like we knew there was going to be a little bit of a learning curve for joiner playing a new position. And, there just have not really been a ton of plays where he's been in there and you look at, wow, there's a huge hole for him to run through. Now, additionally, have there been a couple of plays where it's blocked up and you say, hey, running back's got to make a guy miss there. Of course, that's been the case, I think, probably to an extent with all the backs. So once again, it's a it's a more nuanced thing here, but Joyner 
I mean, he, he did he's been actually very good end of last year on forward into this year in those wildcat runs down near the goal line. That's been very successful for South Carolina. And that was a very physical run that Beamer is talking about. So, uh, you know, I, I think both things are true. You're, you're not going to give up on Joyner. you got to keep giving him chances at the same time. Yes, credit Mario Anderson. He added something extra. I'm excited to see does he have another gear in there as well to where a few of these plays where he's falling forward through a tackler, can those become true missed tackles to where you can start to break off some of those little bit longer runs like we talked about last segment. Yeah, you, you are where you are at running back. And so it, this is not, we say this all the time, this is not NCAA 2014. It's not Madden. Can't create a player. You can't move the sliders. And, and you can't just say, I'm going to play this guy, you know, and, and just it's automatically okay. You are where you are at running back, meaning – you know, you've moved to carry on Joyner, who does have a lot of college experience, but he's playing for the first time at the position. You have Mario Anderson transferring in, got Juju McDowell, who's more of a smaller niche player, and you've got DJ Braswell. So we've seen really since week one, a lot of will play DJ Braswell more, but he's continuing to come along, right? If South Carolina had, you know, a junior or senior who was a returning thousand yard rusher who also could catch the football very well and could and you felt great about and pass protect, they would be playing him. The, the reason that you've seen – I go back to what Dowell Loggins said the other day. He kind of went through the entire process of here is why we play guys, and he talked about running back specifically. There are strengths and there are weaknesses and there are things that each guy is better at, you know, th- than the other. Mario Anderson is their best, you know, contact balance type guy. To carry on, Joiner appears to be the best guy out of the backfield. Juju McDowell's probably your best in space. Braswell's your fastest. You know, they've all got their their strengths, again, but they all come with questions. And so there's there's a trade-off on each one of those guys. I told you this the other day, Wes, when to carry on Joiner, when we've seen him carry the ball at times this year, it reminds me of uh twenty twenty one, I think it was, Marshawn Lloyd, where he was just getting it. Like seemed like every time it's just bad luck. I guess he got spot duty that that year before he had the breakout season, and basically he would get the handoff and just get hit in the backfield. And there have been many of those plays where we've seen that with Joiner, where he really hasn't had much of a chance. And as Wes pointed out, there have been some where he has had a chance at some point. If you're playing running back in the SEC or you're playing wide receiver in the SEC or you're playing on the line. You do have to win, you know, your one-on-one battles. And the Gamecocks don't have right now as many guys that can go make the I'm better than you play on offense. Um, you're having to kind of smoke and mirrors the run game a little bit more. Mario Anderson certainly coming along is good. But, you know, you don't have one of your bailout players in, in uh, right now in Juice Wells. That's a guy who you can throw the football to and – I'm better than you. Spencer Rattler's one of those types of players. Xavier Leggett is obviously one of those types of players. But they don't have as many. And at the running back position, I think that's where it has shown through. But it's just a combination of all of it because the offensive line has also created a lot of these issues. Well, and you mentioned while Dakarion Jordan is still coming along from the traditional running 
standpoint, something that Mario Anderson is, is ahead of him in that regard, you're still going to be throwing to running backs out of the backfield, and that's certainly an area that on Joyner is better at than Mario Anderson, given his time playing at wide receiver and everywhere else on the offense up to this point. So he still has a role, of, and not that it's just going to be as diminished, but it won't be as heavy on the run side of things, I imagine, going forward. That'll be more Mario Anderson's thing with uh, Dakiron Joyner maybe working himself with the pass game more than anything else. Yeah, and I think at the same time, you, you can't get too one-sided where teams can also be like, oh, well, hey, when they got Joyner in there, they're going to throw, and when they got Anderson in there, they're going to run. You got to kind of, uh, you know, mix your trends there, if you will, and kind of mix it up. But Joyner, according to PFF, 13 targets this year, 12 receptions, 71 yards. So he, uh, he's he been a very reliable receiver. Anderson only targeted once out of the backfield. Uh, he did catch it for 10 yards and I think actually uh, made a guy miss in the open field, if I remember correctly. I think it was against Mississippi State. But um, as of now, missed tackles created as well. I know at one point Joyner had a pretty large lead on the field here. But uh, Anderson, after his performance this past week, is uh, quickly gaining. He has forced eight missed tackles. Joyner has forced nine at this point. Um, yards after contact average, 2.85 for Mario, 2.53 for DeCarrion. So actually pretty, fairly close as far as that's concerned. Spencer Rattler, 2.84 yards after contact on average, which... Um, not not a bad number for for your quarterback. It's a pretty good number. I th- and I think that's been one of the areas where Rattler has grown, I think, the most this year. The probably exciting thing about it for Carolina fans is there's still been some instances where I think Spencer mentioned this after the Mississippi State game. Like he ran himself into a couple of sacks. One of them he was trying to step up and climb the pocket to his credit, and he just got a little too deep back into the you know back into the interior of the uh of the trenches there took a sack but his his maneuvering in and out of the pocket i think that's been a huge area of growth this year um buying time knowing when to bail the pocket and run out of there there have been a couple close calls and one i mentioned against mississippi state the one where he was moving around against georgia one of their massive d linemen was able to <laughs> you know, take him down and spin him around. Even that throw you mentioned, Wes, to Mario Anderson, that was a difficult play. Spencer had to basically move around a little bit, turn his body. He turned his arm angle and was still, you know, altered his arm angle and was still able to get it out to Mario, who then caught the ball right in the flat. It's basically a, you know, close to a lateral, basically. And then Mario was able to make somebody move. But those are kind of, he's just been making a lot of those hidden type of plays and then he's been making some big-time throws, some big-time scrambles as well. Absolutely. And, of course, we have the coordinators coming up later today as they will give their preview for Tennessee coming up on Saturday night. want to hit a quick bit of SEC news coming up as it does pertain to the Gamecocks a little bit later on the season. We'll hit that as you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Wes and Chris along with you here on The Game 
Obviously, our focus this weekend, uh, obviously, our focus is this weekend on Tennessee, but projecting a little bit further down the road in conference play, news coming out about an hour ago, Texas A&M's quarterback Connor Wegman being ruled out for the rest of the season with a broken bone in his foot that he suffered against Auburn this past weekend. He left, I think it was in the second quarter of that game, uh, did not return, and it sounds like he's going to be done for the rest of the year. You're talking about earlier uh, the you know South Carolina fans joking about getting beat by backup quarterbacks, and uh, they're most definitely going to be facing a backup quarterback in a couple weeks, uh, likely Max Johnson, the lefty transfer out of uh, LSU when they take on Texas A&M on the road in College Station in uh, late October. Yeah, Max Johnson, somebody South Carolina fans should be familiar with. Gamecocks actually offered him very early out of high school when he was a, a young guy, I think, and then... Youngster? Yeah, there you go, Chris. <laughs> Get in your, uh, your youngster. Shout out mentioned. to Oconee County. Um, you know, and then they really liked him out of the transfer portal as well. They were looking at several guys out of the portal and, and Max Johnson and Spencer Rattler were, were both in there at the same time. There, there was actually a moment during that off season where there was maybe a greater chance that Max Johnson ended up hopping in there and taking that spot. And so, you know, he's obviously a talented guy, got the bloodlines and, um, you know, has played in the SEC, but if you're A&M, it sounded like this was a, a situation where this ended up being worse than they maybe hoped or suspected at the beginning, but obviously a, a big loss for them, and pressure, even without this injury, pressure has been on at, at A&M with Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, it, it is fascinating. Like you said, Tyler, Gamecocks will definitely see another backup quarterback, but th- this one a little bit different you know Max Johnson does have pretty decent amount of college experience you look at you know last week what he did against Auburn came in seven for 11 had a couple touchdowns looked pretty good Um, but Connor Wigman was their starter for a reason and look Connor former five-star guy one of if not the top quarterback prospects in the country when he came out a couple classes ago uh, South Carolina actually saw him some in Williams Bryce last season Mm -hmm. uh, in relief came in and actually played you know, pretty well in that situation. Uh, a lot of talent, but uh, th- this will be fascinating. Um, it- it's fascinating just because of, like you said, Wes, the big picture at A&M. What does it mean for Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino, that whole dynamic there, the quarterback position, obviously the most important position on the field. Max Johnson, they probably feel better about having them than, say, having your quarterback be you know, a true freshman or – even at you know somebody who's been with your program for a while but hasn't taken any snaps, this guy has. Um, but when you start again, you you start going up and down South Carolina's list of games. There are some teams that have had uh, quarterback questions or some quarterback injuries that have you know maybe they could linger throughout the season. This is one that won't linger. It is it looks pretty bad for Connor Wegman. And uh, so we'll see where it goes, but the, it will have an effect on this game, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for A&M, these next couple of weeks, not easy for them taking on Arkansas this weekend, a team that took LSU to the limit, obviously facing Alabama next weekend, and then taking on Tennessee on the road before they take on South Carolina <laughs> in College Station at the end of October. So going to be a tough month for them without, uh, again, their uh, number one signal caller and Connor Wegman for the rest of the year. What happens if it goes bad this year? <laughs> is it is it done? Is it a big, big, big buyout? What's his buyout now? Isn't it still around like sixty? It's a bajillion dollars. Still. A lot. I they mean, they just print money there, though, man. That's true. I mean, oh, they they would. There's almost no doubt they would pay it. 
you know, but it's just kind of like, would you pull the trigger? Yeah. The South and Carolina game will actually weigh, <laughs> I would think, heavily in this. If they are, what, they're 3-1 and one on the season now, let's say they lose to Alabama, let's say they lose to either Arkansas or Tennessee, split the two there. Um, yeah, that, that South Carolina game could be a make or break. There's a history of coaches getting fired <laughs> after losing to South Carolina. Like, it, it just is. It's a it, fact. It can end the tenure. No, you're exactly right. So, so I was laughing. You just hand the keys over to Bobby. There you go. Oh, oh God. boy. There, <laughs> no, I don't think key, anybody, I don't think anybody joke, wants that. There's a joke there that... Yeah, I, um, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> as long as there's not a volleyball player. The uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. Losing to Miami, I mean... That already had the taste in the mouth of A and M fans, kind now, of being in a bad place. I feel like they. I think they'll beat Arkansas. Now Miami's good, but on paper A and M should have won that game, and they certainly shouldn't have gotten beaten by multiple scores by Miami. Well, after after South Carolina, they also have a top twenty five Ole Miss team. Yep, as well. So and LSU to close out the season as always. I mean, y'all know how quickly this thing can go south. Ooh in this conference. Auburn obviously is in transition, so A&M beat them this past week. I don't know if we take much from that. Um, You know, this team doesn't really have – I mean, their most quality win at this point is over Auburn. So, And that's with your starting quarterback being healthy. Right. So I don't know. if It it could go south in a hurry, I think. And the seat was already warm coming in. So, yeah, I I think if it goes completely south – then, I mean, I don't know if there's an obvious guy that makes sense, you know, that you would think they'd turn their attention to. I think we're also too early on in the season to know who those names are just yet. I mean, there's going to be a offensive coordinator of one of the best offenses in the country come November that's going to be getting a lot of attention. We just don't know who that is quite yet. Yeah, I feel I feel like sometimes there's already just like that big name floating around that's either, you know, Taking a year off or something yeah. like that. Right now, I don't really know if there is that name. Here comes Urban Meyer once I, again. I knew you were going to no. say that. No. It'll no, be brought no. up. It'll be brought up. It'll but be brought up. It's not going to happen. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs uh, Halftime Show with Terry. Coming up next on your Wednesday right here on The Game.